Thank you for choosing this Dream Center podcast. Don't forget to subscribe for further updates. How many of you know that there, are, there is a fight for your soul? There is a fight, literal fight for your soul. And, um, and the very fact that there's a fight for your soul proves that you have value and worth to God. Let me say that again. There is a fight for your soul on the earth. Or you might be saved. You might not be saved. You may be just inquiring. You've come to the church this morning as a visitor and you're thinking, what's it all about? That worship was a little bit weird for me. They touched some things I've never touched before. I heard some things I never heard before. That's great. I'm glad that we were able to open those things up to you. Because you can surely go to a lot of places and and not have those things open to you. But we've labored to do that. And if it freaks you out, then that's good because that's to call the Holy Spirit. But if it bless you, even wonderful. But there's a fight for your soul. Why? Because you are worth something to God. But you're also worth something to the devil. But God's love is far greater than anything the enemy can give you. But, and the fact that you can be corrupted disrupted, derailed, is proof that what's inside you is valuable materials. Yes? Oh, you think, well, what's good in me? Well, there's a lot of good in you that you don't realise. But when God touches your heart, you realise the things that have been lying dormant suddenly come to life. And as he touches them, things begin to come to life and make sense. But they were always there. Do you know that? You know, you have a mind, you have a heart, you have a, you know, you have a brain and, and, and skills and gifts. And until God touches it, nothing can come alive. And the seed or the word comes to us as a seed. How many of you know that? It comes to us as a seed. And that seed is truth. And that seed, in that seed is the potential for presence and power. The presence of God is in that seed. Why? Because that presence wants to connect back with the source. That truth wants to connect back with the source. That, that living, organic life that's in that seed wants to connect back to the source. The source is the one who give it you. It's called your father. Amen? But there's also another enemy. Or should, there is an enemy who wants to kill, steal and destroy that which has been placed inside you. Kill, steal and destroy. He's very clear about his purpose. He's very, very clear about what he wants to do with what's inside you. He wants to kill it. He wants to steal it. He wants to destroy it. He'll do anything he can in order to fulfill that purpose. That's a man who's determined. How many would you agree with that? But you know, I have this great uh, innate sense that God's power is going to break out upon us. I really do. And that water... And that seed is just going to be so germinated by the presence and the power of God that you're going to become unstoppable people. Untouchable people. That's what the Bible talks about as being an unstoppable generation. Not just a powerful generation, a generation with a difference. No, no, we're an unstoppable generation. What do you mean by unstoppable? No force in hell can stop us. No powers on earth can stop us. No limitations within our own hearts can stop us. Why? Because we're learning to go to a new place. Amen? And this power that's, gonna, that's coming, it's, gonna, it's breaking over us. It's going to take you from one degree to a whole new shift in God. And you're going to look at your life and think, I can't believe I've come this far. 
And we're going to say, absolutely. There was a time when we couldn't believe it. But now God's trying to tell us, you've got to believe it. Stop saying you don't believe it. You've got to believe it. Why? Because there's a new advancement coming to you. There's high visibility. Maximum impact. Amen? See, we've got to give Christ high visibility. So we can have the impact. He doesn't do those two things. We give him high visibility. He'll give the impact. High visibility in here means I'm going to give him everything. And then you watch your life go to the place of impact. You know, Jesus knew. Jesus knew so well what the root of the enemy is to kill, steal and destroy. That he decided that I better cut him off right now. I better create and devise a a, a plan, a purpose. So that we can kill the works of the enemy. So that the kingdom of God can come to the place of advancement rather than derailment. How many of you know that? So in John 17, verse 6, let me read this to you. It says in verse 6 of John 17, I have revealed to you those whom you gave to me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me. Jesus is praying to his father. And they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed you sent me. Wow. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me for they are yours. Listen to the language here. All I have is yours. And all you have is mine. Wow. That's what we say about marriage. All that's yours is mine and all that's mine is not yours. Oh, it is yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. The name you gave me. So that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by my name you gave me. Notice, certainly none of has been lost except the one doomed to destruction. So that scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now. But I say these things while I'm still in the world. So that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. You know, I wish so many of our forefathers used to say, oh Lord, get us out of here, get the rapture, get us out of here. Should have read this. I'm not praying you take them out. I'm praying you empower them to stay in and make a difference. But most of that rapture gang... All they want to do is fly away, oh glory. It's one of those, beam us up, Lord. One church to beam up. That's not time to beam up. He's saying, I'm not praying to get them out of the world. I'm praying that they stay in and make a difference. Amen. And Jesus had so many assurances. When you read this scripture, it's not just about Jesus just praying. But listen to what he's praying. He prays with authority. He prays with absolute assurance. Wouldn't it be good that if you knew you had two minutes before you you were going to leave planet Earth, that you left with certain assurances? True? I'd like to know if someone said, you've got two minutes, Tony, before I take you up into glory. 
I need to make, I, need, I would be checking myself and making sure I believe him. I know he spoke to me. Yeah, yeah. I know he told me he loves me. Yeah, I'm saved. I know it. And I'd have some assurances that before I left this earth, I'm not going to that place called finish, if you know what I mean. I'm going to that place called glory. So Jesus had some assurances. And listen to what he said. He said, they, meaning my disciples, he's praying for his disciples. He's praying for those who he shared his heart with. He's praying for those who he loves, those who he's committed to. You are those people. All right, in this context, he was talking, first of all, about the disciples, and then he talks about those who would come after them. So all the time, he knew he was starting with a group. And his commitment has not yet yielded, and never will yield. I should say, it's not um, turned, I should say. It's completely to the same group of people that when he prayed that prayer, it's still the same commitment today. He's still interceding for us now. The Holy Ghost is interceding for us. Jesus is the mediator. He's still, Lord, I'm still committed to that prayer. It's not finished. It's not fulfilled. You are still part of that plan. Amen. He said, they, meaning they were yours and you have given them to me. Thank God that you've been given to Christ. The Father has given you to Christ. Amen. Through the Holy Ghost, he came to you. He told you that Jesus, this gospel you were hearing, was the way, the truth, and the life. All you had to do was accept it through the gift of faith that was given to you. And you were given to the Christ. You are in him. What a wonderful gift to be given. The mind. The mind. They're not just the fathers. The mind. Why? Because all that was in you, Lord, and all that is in me is ours. They were sharing it. They're co-equal. Amen. Then he says, I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. Now notice the one commodity that Jesus was giving away was words. He could have given him treasure. He could have given him anything, but he gave him his word. Why? Because his word is something precious. And that word that he gave, that's what makes you vulnerable, open to attack. That's, it gives it you in seed form. And that's why the enemy wants to kill, steal and destroy the seed. It's the seed. Everything good in life comes in seed form. Yes, babies are made by seed. Amen. In case you didn't know that, that's just 101 of biology. If you're wondering how you got here, you didn't come on a bush. (laughs) You started up a seed. It gave them my words. I gave them my word and they accepted them. Wow. Wow. In other words, something, the transition has been made. Something has been deposited. They, I made, they received from my heart. I opened up my heart. They saw it. They took it. They locked it in. They accepted it. They guarded it. And now I can see the transfer has, been, has, has gone across. Amen? That transfer. And God is still making the same transfer today. Every day we're in his presence. Every day he's still making a transition. What do you think the scroll was all about this morning we saw? God was making a new transaction into our hearts. And they accepted it. They accepted it. They didn't, you know, there's many times when they didn't understand. Just like you. Many times when they didn't understand. But you know, what they still didn't understand, eventually came into understanding. Don't let what you don't understand stop you from entering in what you do understand. Amen? And then he says this. I know with certainty, they know with certainty That I came from you. You see, many people are still trying to work out, I wonder if this thing is real. You've been saved now some time and sometimes you have thoughts to yourself, I wonder if it's all real. It's okay, it's okay. 
having thoughts like that. I've often had thoughts like that, but you better conclude somewhere down the line. Very quickly. And the way I normally help myself in times like that, when I have, uh, I wouldn't call them moments of doubts, I call them moments of questions. And it doesn't come from a doubting, uh, for me personally, it doesn't come from a sense of doubt, it comes from just a question. I'm just re-asking myself the question. And then I go through my testimony. And then I recall how many times God has spoken to me and met with me. And then I feel my spirit being energized. And then I say, push it off, devil. Why? Because I've got history with him. I've got history with God. I had a history with the devil. I divorced him a long time ago. That marriage was no good. I've only been divorced once. And that was to him. But I've married to my wife and to the king of kings. But I divorced the other sucker a long time ago. He's bad. He's no good. But you know, I know with certainty, I know with certainty that Jesus is who he says he is. I don't understand a lot of things. I can't explain a whole bunch of things. But I have this innate understanding in here that he is who he says he is. And I can't be tossed around by that because that would cause me too much trouble. That's part of that stealing. When he steals from you, you become turbulent, unsteady. Yeah, but when you're fixed and grounded and firm, we have this anchor that takes us. I have some word inside me. Do you have some word inside you? It's that word that anchors you and keeps you strong. Amen. And that's what he's saying in this scripture here. He's saying, these guys have got it. Yeah, he's got it. Why? Because he modeled it to them. And because he modeled it, listen, they not only understood, but then they came to value. What he modelled. And we need models. The earth is looking for models. I'm not talking about, you know, Barbie kind of model or Airfix model. I'm talking about you're the model. When you have some word in you, how it affects your life. Know with certainty. When you've got that certainty, man, your head goes back. A bit of confidence. Not pride or arrogance. Confidence. And he modelled this. What did he model? He modelled relationship. All that was in me, Father, all that was yours is mine and all that's mine is yours. You don't, get a better, you don't get a stronger relationship than that. That is covenant. That is covenant. All that you gave me, Father, is yours and all that I've got is yours. So we've got each other's gear. There's a transition, a transaction that took place. Neither one of them is trying to take more than they're entitled to. Each one sharing it. The Holy Ghost is in there as well. He's got his share, his portion. Why? Because the three are one and the one are three. To three musketeers. And he says this, I've, I've modelled this relationship and they love this relationship. They've never seen this relationship before. They're absolutely going crazy over it. Never had a relationship ever been modelled like this. That's why Jesus got into so much trouble talking to his father like it, we, he was the son. Duh, he was the son. Hey, blasphemy, blasphemy. No, no, it's me dad. I know me dad and me dad knows me. I caught him, he got him in so much trouble. You walk on the street and say, have you, have you met me dad? They're looking for someone different, aren't they? They're not looking for what you know as dad. They're looking for something different. Where's your dad? Oh, he's here. They're going to go, cuckoo, cuckoo. Unless you can show him to them. Then they say, oh, show us the father also. Yeah? And then he says, glory has come to me through them. Do you realize that you bring glory to God? God is in glory, 
but you bring glory to him by the things you do and the things you respond to and the measure that you carry of him. You bring glory. Isn't it a wonderful thing that we can bring him glory? It's a wonderful thing to, to know that we bring him glory. Your obedience brings him glory. Now you know that, you want to get a big spade and pile as much of it as you can to him. Lord, he says, glory has come to me through them. In other words, everything we do must bring him glory. Everything we do. Then he says, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. There's something that protects us, my friends. We're protected by someone who has a name. We're not protected by something. We are protected by someone. Now, Exodus 33, if you remember last time we were in the building in the spirit, one of the things that God shared with us was that he says, I will cause all my goodness to pass through you. You remember? He says, and I will proclaim my own name in your midst. God was going to proclaim his own name in our midst. That was the prophetic promise that God spoke to us only a couple of Sunday nights ago. We said, Lord, we're not going to go unless you come with us. Do you remember saying that, church, for those who were there? And we cried out to God and we said, Lord, we won't go. We won't go unless you, you commission us, unless you show us, unless you lead us. And we said, okay, because you love me and because I love you, I'm going to pass, pass by you. Not pass by you like you're going to miss me, but I'm going to walk. God is literally going to walk through this church. And as he walks through the name, listen, this is what he's going to do. As he walks through this congregation, he's going to say, Yahweh, Jehovah. Elohim. He's going to pronounce all his names. Jehovah Rophi, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Zidkanu, and all the other guys, uh, all the other names he's got. He's got loads of names. He's like, whoa, just have one. He must be a good Catholic. <laughs> we know he's like that. You think he's just going to walk through this church and you're not, going to, you're not going to hear him say it, but he's going to do it. Why? Because he's promised. He's going to do it. And as he does it, he's going to deposit so much glory into our atmosphere. Oh, the, the heavens are just going to crack. It's going to crack. God said he would do it for us. If he says it, if my dad says he'll do it, he'll do it. My dad said he's do it. I've got to take my dad's word. He said he'll do it. I don't know how. I don't know when. But I know. I know where. I just don't know how. But I just know he's going to do it. Dad has said it. Therefore, dad is going to do it. Is it okay talking like that, dad? I'm talking dad. Abba, you want to call him Abba? He says, I've given, I've given them my word and the world doesn't like it. Have you found that you've got opposition in your life? That's because of the seed that's inside you. Opposition will come to try and take away what God has installed. Amen. He said he didn't like it. Means there's going to be opposition. There's going to be trouble ahead. Amen. Trouble will surely come to your life. But so also will surely goodness and mercy. Yes. It didn't say, surely goodness and mercy shall always follow, follow me. It doesn't mean to say you'll never get trouble. And trials, because trials are part of our development. So we can never say, oh Lord, this trial's the devil. No, 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 God allows trials. Because it builds and, and builds character. And perseverance, and perseverance must finish. So that you're complete and lacking nothing. Amen? So... Position, sorry, opposition is going to come to your life. My prayer, he says, is not that you take them out of this world, but you protect them from the evil one. He's very clear. He nails the sucker right there. That's the dude right there that's coming after them. That's what he says. He, that's the one right there, the evil one. He knows exactly who the evil one is. And he wants you to know who the evil one is so that you are aware 
of who it is who's trying to take you out of this race. But he says, I've prayed for you. I've given them the word. He hasn't left them with, with lack. He's given them everything they need. He's given them relationship with his father. He's given them word. He's given them assurance. He's given them all these kind of things. My friend, you are not, that's why he says, I will not leave them as orphans. You're not left with nothing. You've got it all. Amen? Got it all. And that's how good Christ is. But the answer and the solution to protecting you is in John 14. Listen to what he says. John 14, verse 16. And I will ask the father. See, because he knows his dad. He knows his dad. He loves his dad. And all that is in the father, he's going to give to the son. So So the son can ask with total confidence. See this? That's why he says, you ask anything in my name and my father will give it to you. The same confidence he's got about asking his own father, he's got for you asking his father. How wonderful is that? Hey, come on, tell your face. You're connected to the same dad. And he says, and I'm going to ask the father and and he will give you another counsellor. So he's going to bring the third member of of the Trinity in now. You've not seen him before, he says, but now you guys are going to love him. I'm going to bring in another counsellor. It doesn't mean you're not going to have therapy. He's not talking about that kind of counsellor. I'm going to be a counsellor to be with you forever. Underline that word forever. He's going to be with you forever. The Holy Ghost is going to be with us forever. That's what my Bible says. Does your Bible say that? The spirit of truth. So he names him. He's not cloak and daggering him. He's, re- he's unveiling him to you. The evil one's there, but I'm going, to send, I'm going to ask my father to send you the Holy Ghost. And he's going to be with you forever. Why? Because I made a promise to you that I'll never leave you as orphans. You're not fostered. You're not fostered. You're not orphaned. You're sons and daughters by the living God. Amen. He's adopted us. But we're, like, we're almost like, we're not adopted in that sense of when we were nobodies. We were grafted in. You're the apple of his eye. He always had you in mind. Amen? So you're not a second thought. You're the, you're the first. Firstborn. Amen? So many churches are being fostered right now. So many churches are being orphaned right now. But so many churches have the love of the Father inside the church. Amen? But here he says, I'm going to, you know, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. Oh, hang on. <clears throat> so we can't accept his word. It can't accept the Holy Ghost. Because it neither sees him, why? Because they've got veils over their eyes, or knows him. But you know him. Oh, why? Because there ain't a veil over your eyes. Yeah? For he lives within you, and he will be in you. Oh, I love this. I will not leave you as orphans. Come on, say it with me. I'm not an orphan. Now say it like you believe it. I'm not an orphan. I will come to you, he says. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. So you are leaving me. Yes, I'm leaving you, but you're not going to be alone. Well, hang on, how does that work out? You're going to leave us. We're not going to be alone. Are you going to leave a shadow? Are you going to leave a silhouette? What are you going to leave? Are you going to leave a model? No, I'm going to leave you the Holy Ghost. Oh, wow, wow. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Wow. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoa, get hold of that. Shake your head. On that day, you will realize why. That means another veil's being lifted. 
that I am in my Father and you are in me. Here's the babushka doll. Have you ever seen a babushka doll? Look at it right here. I am in my Father, you are in me and I am in you. Wow. So he cements this whole relationship thing. And then he goes on in John 17 to pray for them. And we're reading the scriptures in reverse. We read 17 first and now 14. But listen to what Jesus is saying here. Jesus personally asked his own father to send him a counsellor. He asked asked his own father on behalf of you. Amen? He's a member of the the Trinity. He's someone who will help us in this way. You needed the Holy Ghost because he will help guide. He will help guard and he will help govern that seed. You need the Holy Ghost to guide you, to guard you, and to govern your life. That's why the Holy Ghost is so important into our life. That's why we must have him in unparalleled dimension. You know, none, none of this just, well, just get baptized with the Spirit once and no more. We must have him in all his capacity. And he must have us. Amen? The counselor. Then he says this. The world cannot accept him. Because they neither see nor know him. But you know how sad is it in today's church? Many believers don't know him or see him. He's given to them in seed, but they don't take it beyond that. I came from a church. I was saved. So therefore, the gift of faith was given to me by the Holy Spirit. But I didn't know anything about the baptism of the Spirit or the power of the Spirit or relationship with the Spirit. It was never made available to me. And then all of a sudden I came into it and it was in full measure and I thought they were all weirdos. I seriously, it, it appeared like that. When you've come from a church that doesn't have the Holy Ghost in its midst, it seems very, very weird when you come into a church that does have it. True? So, so weird. But, you know, it's wonderful that where the Holy Ghost is, there's liberty. Paul read it to us this morning. Liberty in life. In fact, I think it was your brother. Was it your brother last week, Jill? It was here. He came to me afterwards and he said, you've got so much life in this place. He acknowledged it. He loved it. He fed off it. I said, yeah, that's the power of the Holy Ghost. I love it, he says. It's great. It's great when people recognize that there's, there's life and love in the Holy Ghost. It's wonderful. And the world cannot accept him. But there are many who do accept him. There are many who are loving it. And, and, and loving him, I should say. Not loving it. Loving him. He says here, the world cannot accept him because they neither see nor know him. You know him. And you can see him work in your life and in the life of others. Why? Because he's in us. He's revealing all things to us. He's the one who revealed the love of the Father. He's the one who was showing me this morning about the scroll. He's the one. Amen? And he says, and he lives with you and he will be with you. Right now, the Holy Ghost is here. Right now, he's in you. He's around you. He's with you. And he longs to move through you. That is the dedication, the commitment that he has made to you and me. He'll be here. And then I love this. We'll not, we're not orphans. We'll not be alone. He'll send the comforter, the Holy Ghost. We're not orphans. So many people are being orphaned church-wise. So many people socially are orphaned, fostered. And they're looking for a right relationship. And it's messed up society and it's messing up society. But here, here is a relationship where Christ comes, prays to his Father, 
prays that the Father will send the Holy Ghost and then cements everything that is, that is sealed in Christ and in, in the heavens, he's now going to see it advanced on the earth through the Holy Spirit. So right now you have that seed. You've got more than, this is what makes you so attractive. This is what makes you so attractive to the enemy. This is what makes you so attractive to the Father. There is a fight on for your soul. Why? Because this life that we've just been reading about, this relationship, the enemy does not like it and he'll do everything to separate you. The enemy doesn't love you. He doesn't even like you. He doesn't like you. But he just doesn't, he hates the fact that you can be in love with a, with a father. That Why? Because he knows that love and he fell away from it. He didn't feed from it. Why? Because he wanted everybody else to be to, to worship him. But he's jealous of that relationship. And all the people he does, he enslaves them. And he deceives them. Why? Because he thinks by them serving him. It's not love. He's not motivated by love. He's motivated by jealousy. Yeah? Perfect love casts out all fear. Devil will never tell you he loves you. And if he does, he's a liar because there's no love in him. Yeah? The devil, let's settle it right here on this day. The devil never tells truth. He's a liar. He's been a liar from the beginning. Why? That's his purpose. You're a liar, a swindler, a thief, a deceiver. You're the father of all lies. You created lies. You are a turkey. And no turkeys in heaven. Eagles, but no turkeys. Amen? So why would we want to, believe, why would we want to listen to this bozo? But we do. Yeah? And then 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 1. Verse 21. Now, it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So he's not finished. So he did all that on the cross. He prayed with his father. The Holy Ghost came out. And now... Paul is saying, he's, he's, he's poured out this spirit in you so that you and I can stand firm in Christ. How many of you, how many of you know you wobble from time to time? Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. But I know many people do wobble and fall down, but we are there, I should say the Holy Ghost is given to us so we can stand firm in Christ. That's why we have this word as an anchor to our soul. It keeps us upright. And it takes us into the, beyond the veil, into the presence of God. The anchor, the word, the person. The word isn't just words, it's a person. Amen? Oh. And then he says he's anointed us. When I'm looking at you this morning, you, you're absolutely, absolutely anointed. Yeah? You've got a seal of ownership. And he's put his spirit in our hearts. As a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Now... Let's just break it down a minute. It's God who makes both, and, both us and you stand firm in Christ. But you've got to partner with him. God doesn't do it on his own. God works on relationship. You and him partnering, co-laboring together. Amen? So God isn't, don't sit there in a passive mode thinking God's going to do it all on his own. No, 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 my friend. You must work and labor with Christ. Yes? You must work with him. And he asked his, uh, so he sent the Holy Ghost to enable us, to equip us, to empower us, to stand firm in Christ. Then he says, not only have I done that, I've anointed you. In other words, he's given you power. Yeah. 
In the Old Testament, the power used to come on for a specific task or work, and then it used to leave. But now, he says, he'll be in you. He'll be in you. Why? Because he wants to cement that relationship. He can't keep coming on and off, on and off, on and off. That would make him somewhat, that would make the situation so difficult. Amen? But now, in the New Testament, believers, we're in Christ. And the Holy Ghost is given to us. So he's now on us. Amen? So he's given us power, listen, and he's set us apart. In other words, if you go back to Jeremiah, it says, before, I knew, before you were born, I knew you were in your mother's womb, and I set you apart. When you just thought you were there giving all that, <laughs> growing, just feeding off your mother, suckers, <laughs> feeding off your mother, just sat there waiting until it's your time, God set you apart. That's why we're pro-lifers. Every baby has a destiny. Every seed has a destiny. Now, we know the enemy, you know, the enemy kills, steals and destroys. And, and that's why, you know, so many girls are getting so abused. And that's why we've got to help as many people as we can. Because seed gets killed and destroyed. We know from looking through scripture, if it's not Pharaoh, it was uh, Herod who was trying to do a genocidal wipeout. Looking for the seed. It was always the seed he was looking for. If I can find one, I'll just remove the man of destiny out of that area or the girl of destiny. I might have to get rid of a million to do it, but I'll get the one. So to him, numbers mean nothing. Numbers mean absolutely nothing, but to Christ, they mean everything. Why? Because Christ gave his life for everyone. There isn't a living being on this earth, man or woman, who Christ didn't die for. Because you, you God's got you as a seed in his own heart. Amen. His seed's a lot bigger than yours. He says, he's anointed us and given us power. He set us apart for the will of the Father. And he believes in you because you have eternal worth to him. You have eternal worth to Christ. You, God doesn't use you like a man would use a woman, you know, prostitution. God doesn't, God's not like that. God is committed to you. God loves you. God wants to have a relationship with you. God wants you to love him and walk with you. He's committed to you. What he's put inside you is all yours. But all he's put inside you, he wants it to be his. And that's the, there it is, right in a nutshell. All that he's got, he will give to you. But all you've got, you won't give to him until you learn to die. Here's a father who wants to give everything he's got, but he knows he can't give it to you because just like children, you wouldn't give them the keys to the car. True? You wouldn't give them the, you wouldn't give them the credit card because they don't know how to use it. It's irresponsible. And our father will not give all he's got to you if you're irresponsible. It's not that he doesn't want you to have it. He wants you to have it. But he wants you to surrender and be mature and learn and disciplined. Amen? And sometimes we think God is, God is cruel. He won't give it us. No, no. He's a good God. He knows what will destroy you. So it is, he set his seal of ownership upon you. Oh, thank God I'm owned. Thank God he's got a seal on my life. You know, when the king would send a letter out, he'd put his royal crest on it, a seal. And if anybody opened the envelope, they knew someone had interrupted the message, corrupted the message. But God has put his seal. She's mine. He's mine. They're mine. They're all mine. (laughs) And the enemy's trying to undo the envelope. He's trying to lift the wax the blood wax that's on your life. And he's trying to tamper with it. And he's trying to corrupt it. And he's trying to steal what God has ordained and ordained, destined and ordained for your life. He's a thief. He's a liar. Can you trust him? No. But he does it every day. He's trying to do that. Why? Because he wants to spoil your inheritance. 
Oh, he's put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. You know, when, when you, you have grandchildren, you start putting money away for your grandchildren. Because it's a wise man who leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Yes? So you start putting some money away into a bank account. That's if you're smart. Even if it's £5 a week or whatever it is, you put some money away for your grandchildren in the hope that one day there's going to be a nice little surprise for them when you leave this earth. Or maybe you don't leave this earth. Maybe you do it to a certain age. So they've got money when they, need to go, when they want to get married and they've got some money for a deposit. <clears throat> whatever. God has put that deposit into our hearts. That son, all that I've got is yours. And you're going to need it. You're going to need it in the days ahead. And part of that inheritance is it's just it's twofold inheritance. There's so much of it he wants you to use here. And there's some of it that you'll wait until you get up there to use. But you know, it can, it's all made available down here. This is where it matters. This is the arena. This is the arena. This is where you're working through all that Christ. This is where you don't need faith in heaven. You've got faith. You don't need faith in heaven. You need it down here. You won't need obedience up in heaven. Why? Because you're already saved, redeemed and all that kind of stuff. But you need to learn it down here. Yes? There's so many things you don't need in heaven. You don't need a body in heaven. No sickness. You don't need food in heaven. You don't need a wife in heaven. Or a husband in heaven. No. That's what the Bible says. There are certain things. These are fleshly needs. God takes away. But you've got to learn to control these and, and harness these things here on earth. Amen? You don't have to die in heaven, but you have to die on earth. Yes? You don't have to spiritually die in heaven, but you have to spiritually die here. Or am I the only one? If I'm going to die, I'm taking you all with me. <laughs> so we see that he's brought a solution through this work on the cross. Though, sorry, through his work on the cross was completed, his work in you is still unfinished. Though his work on the cross was completed, his work in you is still unfinished. You say, how come? Well, go to Philippians 1. So we've seen that Christ set up the system so that you could have a relationship we saw that there's an enemy who wants to come and interrupt the process. We see that Christ has sent the Holy Ghost so that we could cement the relationship. Now we see that the work in you still has to go on. And this is why the, the Holy Spirit was given. To accelerate the work in you that needs to be done. So that the work in you can be brought to the place called finish. Without the Spirit of God, you cannot get this work and not be finished. Hello? That's why he sent the counsellor. That's why he sent him, so that he would remind me, he would remind you of me, he would work with you. That's why Paul teaches us to keep in step with the Spirit. Why? Because he revealed all things in the Father. So here it says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I love you in my heart, says Paul. But here he's making it very clear that there is a work that has begun in you. The moment you got saved and gave your life and became born again, you may become born again and got forgiven 
and redeemed and washed and all those big words we use in the New Testament. But guess what? As the carpenters once sang, once sang, we've only just begun. Yes? The work in you now has to begin. You are brought to the cross. You've heard me say this before, so I'll say it again. When you're brought to the cross, that's called introduction. You are met and introduced to a person called Jesus Christ. Okay? You don't know him. At that point, you've just been introduced to him. Yes? So many Christians get brought to the cross in crusades and just get introduced to him. And then there's no backup for them. There's no church. There's no discipleship. There's no companionship to help them, take them through the cross so they can get to know Christ. So many believers think that once they get saved, that's it. All you know, you've got introduction. Yes? How many people have been introduced to many people? Well, of course you have. You've all been introduced to someone, but you don't know them. And how many times when someone's been talking, you've said, I don't really know them. I've met them, but I don't know them. Right, we've all done that. And that's the same with Christianity. That's why Jesus says, I never knew you. Turn away from me, I never knew you. Why? Oh, you met me. In the New Testament, there was thousands of people who met Jesus. But not everybody knew him. But only those who knew him inherited what he had. So it's not enough bringing someone to the cross. You've got to take them through the cross so they get to know him. Can I say that that's a veil over so many people's eyes? Knowing Jesus in salvation is just the beginning. It's, you know, if I met Carol for the first time and our eyes met, and she liked me and I liked her, and we think, that's good. We wouldn't get married, would we? Not if you've got any sense, you wouldn't. I might be captivated by her beauty. She might be, well, obviously captivated by my beauty. goes without saying, but... Let's just say she's looking at this war horse here. And she sees me, she thinks, you know, he's going to be the man I'm going to marry. He's going to be the man. Now, she may have a sense, and if she was a good woman of God, she would have had sense that I was the one, right? So she had a sense that I'm her man. But guess what? She wouldn't marry me tomorrow just because she has a sense that I'm going to be her husband. She would get to know me. But guess what? If I never respond in kind, she can like me all she wants. I'm off. I've got to get to know her. Why? Because the chemistry will then build and then we'll realise, hey, that thing, then we discover that thing got love. And then we take it to the next level. But it's not enough just knowing, uh, being introduced to Christ. It's not enough to just be introduced. This is why so, read the parable of the sower. It's all about someone who's just been introduced but doesn't know. Who won't take the relationship any further. So the seed comes under siege. When seed is sieged, there's a great title for a sermon there. When seed becomes sieged. And here he says, he who began a good work in you will carry on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. That's why in our man up, underneath is men under construction. Men under construction. Why? Because you're still under a good work. And what we're going to be doing on the Saturday mornings, we're going to labor together. Amen? We're going to do some brick building. I should say brick work. There'll be electricians in there. Some of you need rewiring. Some of you need replastering. Some of you just need some cosmetics. Some of you just need your core foundations not there. So we're going to be men under construction. Amen? Bring your helmet. You might need it. Bring your towel. Bring whatever you've got. I'll bring the spirit level. How's that? Holy Ghost. <laughs> I'll see if your bubble floats. <laughs> I'll see if your bubble floats. 
<laughs> it's tilted, yeah. Definitely tilted. Shove your tongue out to the left. Who began a good work in you? Where did he begin this good work? Where did he begin it? Come on. In you. He who began a good work in you will carry in, carry it on to completion until that day in Jesus, in Jesus Christ. Then, in order for the work, next point, in order for the work to continue in the Holy Spirit, you mu- he must have access to your heart. So we've seen Jesus speak with the Father on behalf of you. We've seen him inst- instigate the technology so that you can overcome the enemy. Now we've seen him send the Holy Ghost. Now the Holy Ghost is here. He needs access, full access to your heart. Amen? And this is where the posture of the development comes. If that work is going to come to a great, great fruition, Holy Spirit must have access to our hearts. Anybody understand that? Access all areas. Spirit, soul, and body. Some people need healing in the body. Some people need healing in the soul. Some people need healing in the spirit. God needs to have access into all areas. How many would you agree with that? God just doesn't want access to you on a Sunday morning. God wants access to you 24-7. You know, the Bible says even when you're asleep, he can sow things. He knows how to download the app into your spirit. So when you wake up in the morning, it just opens up and starts running. And you think you've been cured overnight. It's called midnight surgery. When you were asleep, because you talk too much. And you resist too much. So he says, when you're asleep, I'll just open them up, drop an app, download an app, boom. He'll sow a new thought, and that new word, that new word he's just dropped into you now, starts work, uh, permeating its way through every, every system in your body. And when you wake up in the morning, you've got a different attitude. He downloaded an app for that. Some of you say, what's an app? Don't worry. In Psalm 139, Psalm 139, verse 23, David says, search me. Oh God, and know my heart. Test me. When was the last time you said, Lord, test me? And know my anxious thoughts. Anybody got any of them? Anxious thoughts. I had a few yesterday afternoon. Around about half past 12. <laughs> and then God gave us six of the best. Okay. My heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me into the way of everlasting. When was the last time your heart really stood before God and said, Lord, send the Holy Ghost to search me? Do you know what he'll say? I don't have to send him. I sent him. He's inside you. Listen to him. Oh, Lord, send your spirit. No, no, no. I sent him. He's here. He's downloaded. He's the app. He's inside you. He'll speak. Listen to him. He speaks from within. He's your conscience. He speaks through your conscience. And that's why the Bible says our conscience must be clear. It must be seared with a hot iron. Why? So the Holy Ghost can just speak it through our conscience. Amen? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Know me, O God. You know, this has become the pursuit of my life. God, I've not always been confident of asking God to search me because I've known what's in my heart. You know what's in your own heart. So you think, God, search me, but don't go to the left. Because <laughs> if, if you're a left-sided male thinker, is it the female that thinks on the left? And the, the male on the right, uh, 
predominantly. And, you know, you think, oh, God, don't go to the right. That's where everything's in there. Go to the left. There's nothing on that side. Nothing in there. God says, no, no, no. I need to go through all of you. Well, God says, don't worry about the left, son. There's nothing in the left. Now the right. <laughs> you, you know you're in trouble when you hear, hello, 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 <laughs> on the inside. But, you know, how many of you have been, ever been surrounded by wicked and deceitful thoughts? David was surrounded by wicked and deceitful men who were trying to rob, steal, and control his life. And, and you read the, the, uh, the, the context of that scripture a few verses back. He was surrounded by men who were trying to take his life, who were trying to uh, lie and cheat their way through. And now he says here, oh God, I'm coming before you, Lord. Is it them or is it me? This is what he's saying, Lord. How many of you have had an argument and said, Lord, it was them? But how many of you, when your heart is open to the Holy Ghost and you say, Lord, was that me? Was I out of order? Did I say something wrong? Search me, O Lord. Show me. If I'm wrong, I'll need to go and repent. That's a different heart. It's a different heart. When you can have an argument with someone and be just right in the spirit, knowing that, Lord, thank God, I actually disagreed with someone and I know I'm right. And I I don't say I'm right because I'm I'm, I'm pompous or arrogant. I just know in the spirit I have nothing to repent for. That's a good place to be. It's a good place to be. And here's David. He's saying, you know, God, check my heart. I'm wrong against these guys. They're trying to kill me. They're trying to take my life. They're deceitful. They're wicked. But Lord, just, I'm going to expose it. Lord, show me if there's any, because David was a warrior. David just gone out and just chopped their head off tomorrow. No problem. Just send the word, Lord. I can do it with you or without you, but I can do it. This is a guy who fought bears and lions. These suckers here were no problem to him. So David says, no, 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 I'm not going to go that way. Search me, Lord. Just let me know. If my heart's wrong, I'm going to put it right before you. I'm going to put it right with those men. If not, Lord, let me go and kill them. (laughs) How many of you thought, you know, many times we go and we say, Lord, when someone's had an argument and and they've kind of really put your nose out of a a joint and your spirit's all anxious, the first thing you do is, is say, Lord, let me go and kill them first. True? Anger comes up first. Yes? And anger comes. Why? Because that's your first posture. You want to defend yourself. You feel you've been wronged. Or is it just me? Secondly, we then begin to find fault in what they've done. Yes? Then we look for justification. Yes? She did that. They did that. That's not right. That's not right. And you never look at yourself. You, go, you want to go and kill them. Or am I the only one? I thought it was more than that. And then, third, then we imagine how we're going to kill them. Two, you lie in bed and you think, yeah, you think of all ways you can scheme and what you do if you're brave enough. You know, and in your mind, you see yourself as this great big warrior saying all the things you want to say. And when you see him, you're like a little mouse, timid. But inside you think, I'll kill you. If I could get outside, if I could get this mouse out on the inside of me, I'd kill him. True? And you, you imagine it. And what it does, it just corrupts your spirit. You sat there all day. It consumes you. Hours and hours have gone by. How are you going to kill them? And when they're dead, you think, no, 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 don't die yet. I want to kill you again. And you imagine all the ways you could kill them. All that is a sign that your heart has become corrupted and polluted. True? True? So David's saying, look, search me, Lord. I'm a bit of a scuffer right now. I'm feeling angry against these guys. 
Can you just search me, Holy Ghost, and, and, and show me if there's anything within my heart? And if it is, I'm going to repent right there. The speed of your repentance will determine whether the Holy Spirit has got full access. The speed of your repentance will determine how much of the Holy Ghost has got your access to your heart. And last scripture, Psalm 51. Surely, verse 6, Psalm 51, verse 6. Surely, you desire truth in my inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the most, inmost place. Where's the inmost place? In your heart, in his presence. Because in, pres- in his presence, your heart is exposed. Cleanse me. Excuse me, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart. Listen to what this boy's saying. Oh God. I love that part. Oh God. It wasn't, listen to, there's a desperacy here in his, in his, in his voice. It's not, oh, creating me a pure heart, oh God. Oh God, no. This is a, creating me. Oh God, you can, you can imagine tears in his eyes. You know, and he's saying, and that, oh God, is a pause. Oh God. Yeah? And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence. He realizes that if God cast him from his presence, he's finished. And then when he says, don't take the Holy Ghost away from me. All that Jesus said, when he said, Father, these are yours. All that I put inside them is yours. All that you put inside me is mine and I'm giving it to them. The seed he put. Then he said, he'll send the Holy Ghost. And now the Holy Ghost comes. And now you, he wants access to your heart. And the one thing that can be taken away from you, right, is you shutting the door on the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost doesn't leave. He only leaves when he's not no longer wanted. And the one thing that will help us protect that seed is the power of the Holy Ghost revealing the heart of the Father and revealing your heart before the Father. And David says, don't take it away from me. Don't take the Holy Ghost away from me. Don't take your presence away from me. Don't hide your face from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me, and here it is, a willing spirit to sustain me. Oh, the times I've prayed that. God, give me a willing spirit. Grant me a spirit that will sustain me, keep me, hold me in the position that you, that you put me in right now. Lord, give me a willing spirit, a spirit that wants to work with the Holy Ghost, not a spirit that wants to go against the spirit, not against us. You know, when my spirit wants one thing and the Holy Spirit wants something else, my spirit normally wins. And God doesn't want that. He wants his voice to become louder than your voice. And here David is saying, restore to me. Some things have been missing. That's why he's saying restore. The joy, he's lost his joy of his salvation. But grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your way and sinners will turn back to you. All this David understood. That relationship with God is something that has to be guided, guarded and governed. And the Holy Ghost is there, has been given to us to empower us to do that. This is why we need more of him in our lives. This is why this church must have the presence of God. Because where the presence is, it means the spirit of God has got access. Amen. The spirit in you, the believer. Those who the father's looking to worship, he's not looking for those who can sing songs and produce beautiful music. 
He's looking for those whose hearts are ready to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Truth is that word. Spirit is that, in other words, his spirit is now manifesting in the atmosphere, not yours. Let's stand to our feet, if we will, please. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information, go to www.thedreamcentre.co.uk.